Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson, scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years, here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick First time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step. To 53342. New York, call the 24 7 Hope Line at 1 877 8 Hope and Y or text Hope and Y for 67369. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry, I'm a bit under the weather. Please bear with me, folks. Welcome to the latest edition of the Woke Bros. Of course, I'm Big Waz, a.k.a. Wazney Lambray. Joined, as always, by my brother, my partner for real, like the Wayans. My man, Nando Vila, out in the west side of Los <laughs> Angeles. Yeah, I always liked that line from Pusha T, because his brother was his rap partner. Yeah. And it is yeah. like the wins. Like, they did write together, yeah. act together. They did yeah. do everything together. So, <laughs> so I, you know, I, I was obsessed with the Wayans Brothers when I was a kid. You know, I'm going to get you, sucker. Yeah, exactly. All Don't of Don't Be them. a Menace. I, and I love the Don't Be a Menace. Don't Be a Menace, the TV show. They're just yeah. great. In Living Color, they're just great. They were color, just freaking yeah. great. Um, on today's show, we're going to talk about QAnon. No, I'm just kidding. We're going to talk yeah. about, and QAnon, sorry guys, your conspiracy. You make some good points. You, <laughs> your conspiracy <laughs> did not come to fruition today. Joe Biden did get inaugurated as the as president, the 46th president. Kamala Harris is his vice president. She's the first self-identifying black woman and Indian woman to be in that office. So congrats to them. Congrats to the Democratic Party. You did it. Um, yes. 
We're going to talk about the yes queening that happened today on the internet. It's fine. I don't care. You know, I'm not going to be one of these, you know, wet blankets to rain on the liberal parade. Like, that's cool. Like, everybody's happy. Be happy. But I think even the libs understand way more so than in 08 and 2012 that there's a lot of shit to do and that these guys can do most of it (laughs) if they really made it their mission to, right? Um, And so, you know, because my voice is so fucked right now, Nando, I do want to hear just your thoughts on today and what it means. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's, it's, I got, I got, I'm overwhelmed with the sense uh, on the one hand of just relief that Trump is out there, out of there. You know, it's, um, I don't, I'm not one of these people who was thinking that, uh, Trump was uh, in any way uh, no comparable no in any com- yeah comparable to 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 like even like a generic Democrat as much as I despise the Democrats like I I prefer having them as my enemy than Trump if that yeah. makes sense I mean that's what something Joshua Con Russell talks about it's like you you in this election you got to choose who your enemy was and I'd rather fight I'd rather be fighting against the Democrats than the Republicans uh, especially. This version of the Republicans, which are just like completely nihilistic, and <laughs> um, and 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 especially in this moment of of coronavirus pandemic and an economic crisis, in which their just basic management of the coronavirus was just so flagrantly um, deficient. Yep. I I do expect the Democrats to raise the level of technocratic management over the coronavirus to a, a level of like somewhat competent. You know, and I don't think decency do a great job. too. Yeah. Yeah. So but on the other hand, it's it's this this feeling of, you know, in some way sadness in that we are I get the sense that we we had an opportunity both because of the profound crisis in which we live um, and the and the promise of the Bernie Sanders campaign, you know, like I, I, the, I thought the memes were funny today of him sitting there with his arms folded um, in the mittens. I mean, he's the man. But we had we had the promise of potentially transformative change um, for the better in this country and around the world. And we had a moment of crisis, which is when you can really do um, transformative change. And instead, we got. I mean, Jacobin, Jacobin's book on Joe Biden was called Yesterday's Man. And that's just the feeling I get, like looking at Joe Biden, watching him speak. I mean, watching the fucking black eyed peas uh, at the inauguration, you know, like it's yesterday's man. <laughs> you know, Garth Brooks saying amazing grace, like Garth Brooks was big in the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, like, you know, we're, we're getting like just blatant nostalgia for uh, imagined past that was never great. You know, people always talk about how the Republican and the conservative ethos of like make America great again is nostalgia for an imagined past that was never true. Um, Liberals do that too. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they, they remember the Obama years different. They remember the Clinton years different. I mean, those were great years in their estimation. Yeah. In their estimation. And both of those years were profoundly devastating for this country and for many, many people here and around the world um, on many levels. So, I, I, you know, I, I think that my only one hope is that we do have a more muscular and self-confident left than we have had in a long time. 
which will mean that they that there will be at least uh, a coherent and sustained criticism of of Biden from the left that will hopefully um, allow us to get certain things through that will make life better for people. And um, there, you have to hang on to that hope. Um, it's the only choice you have. But I don't have any sort of real sense of optimism in any way. There's relief. There's, um, but there's there's just a feeling that we have tons of work ahead and that it's going to be difficult and it's going to be um just a new type of political fight that we're going to be have to that we're going to have to be fighting um i do think that trump in many ways drove the libs and 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 normies for that matter like so insane <laughs> and i understand that that <laughs> it was did. hard to have it's it was hard to have reasonable political discussions about things right. you know about the big the big issues. It was very difficult because he, there was this, there was this absolutely ludicrous man <laughs> in the white house doing absolute ludicrous things that was kind of driving people crazy, you know? And, um, so, and those conversations, those culture war conversations, like I'm just not interested in, they're not politics at all. Um, like whether it's, whether you should call Joe Biden's wife, Dr. Jill Biden or not, like I could Who not cares? care less. That is not, that, that is just not doesn't, politics. that's not in the realm of politics. That is not. That's something else. That's fanfic. I don't know what it is. Or you it's, can it's do, it, do it in your fucking school, your little college campus or something, or high in your <laughs> yeah. bedroom or something with your homies or in your living yeah. room. But like the idea that that would be in the realm of politics is insane. That doesn't make any it's sense. Not. It just doesn't matter. And, it's immaterial. And, and I'm happy you talked right. about an ascendant more, more um, entrenched within the power structure left than there was in 08 and forget about 92 and 96 yeah. and like no. <laughs> no that was not a thing um Those were the dark days yeah. yeah and so i think that's important but i do think you know the two thousand dollar checks are very illustrative of what we're going to have to deal with um biden comes out and says yeah we're gonna get you two thousand which is gonna tack on 1400 to the 600 Right. Which, which, how come, like, if that's the case, if that's the case, why is the 1200 separate? Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Why, why, so yeah. if that's the thinking, why can't it be, well, no, nah, we're just going to give you, we're going to give you $200. Because when you add 1200 to the 600, it's 2000. Like, that, that, that's so clearly not what y'all campaigned on. And you can't yeah. tell me that getting... 600 extra dollars to Americans who earned less than $75,000 or households who earned less than 150 that getting $600 to them is somehow just too expensive or is just going to yeah. upset some type of balance or it's just cruelty. There's no justification for it. You can't make an economic justification for it. You can't make a moral justification no. for it. You can't make a policy justification for it. It's just fucking ridiculous. It's cruelty. And then when you see, well, no, it wasn't a bait and switch. No, it was bait and switch, guys. That's what it was. Yeah. You can, like, they, they what they're hanging on to is like, oh, if you read the original bill, that's what it always was. But go back and who gives a fuck about the bill? Doesn't no one reads the bill. Like, I'm sorry. Bill. No regular person bill reads the bill. Look at the ads that were cut in the Georgia runoff race. 
there were images of a check with $2,000 on Period. it. Period. Like, I remember an Ossoff ad in which you can see a graphic of a check with $2,000 And don't it. tell not... me this extra 600 is meaningless, because it's not. It's extremely yeah. meaningful, actually. Like, it matters. It matters that they yeah. get this full two, that people get this full two Gs. And it matters that we have a fucking plan to keep putting money in their pockets. To keep yeah. people afloat, to not worry about being evicted or getting foreclosed on. Like, why is this so hard for you can support Harris and Biden while recognizing what they're doing here is fucking ridiculous? Yeah. And I, I, I do have a, a, a slight hope on two fronts. One is that the business class, I mean, I was watching, I, I did my, my segment on Jacobin uh, last week on the budget that Biden is proposing. And it's actually like surprisingly pretty good. Mm. You know, there's still annoying things in there, but it's 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 very different from the budget, the kind of stimulus package that Obama designed in 2009. Um, in that Obama and his team, especially, were incredibly uh, bought into a theory of politics that. Um, wanted to do politics kind of like invisibly, if that makes sense. Like they, they had this theory of like nudging science in which like if we just tweaked a few things here and there, we would nudge people into different behaviors. So for example, like on the stimulus package, they would they they did like the 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 money in people's pockets by like reducing their the payroll tax. Why? You know? So instead of just telling people like no you're getting a check for the exact same amount. Maybe it was the exact same total amount, but we're just gonna give you a check and I'm gonna write my, my name on it. You know? So people didn't know that Obama gave them more money. They didn't realize it because they didn't tell them. They basically <laughs> tried to hide it through this kind of very minute tweak in the tax code or whatever, you know? Whereas then Trump comes out and when he passes the $1,200 check, he signs his stupid big ass signature on it. <laughs> and then he does better in the elections than than people, uh, than people uh, expected. Because Trump understood that this is like a benefit that I'm giving to people I don't give a fuck. Like I'm just going to tell them that I gave it to them. Period. You know? And and I think that that thinking has I mean there's still a lot of people in the Democratic Party who think that way, but it's it's not as prevalent as dominant it was. as it yeah. was with yeah, as it was with Obama. So hopefully the, to the extent that they do do something and I think that they will be able to do something, they can at least package it in a way that is more simple and understandable than like, oh, well, we reduced your pay payroll tax uh, by uh, 0.03% every two weeks. And like no one noticed and they never ran on it, you know? Um, so that's what I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for. And then the other thing is that the, the business class is just much more tolerant of deficits than it, than it was in 2009. I mean, I think the experience of the last decade in the wake of the Great Recession, I mean, there is a demand crisis and people need to buy stuff if business people are to make money. And, <laughs> and I think that they're just much more tolerant of deficits than they than they were in Obama. And Obama was never going to challenge um, that ruling class in any meaningful way. So that, that was it for that. Um, so those are the two things that I think maybe um, have changed a little bit, even though Joe Biden himself is like a ridiculous figure. <laughs> I think that... Um, the the Democrats at least, you know, I think those that changing has has, has shifted a little bit somewhat. So yeah, yeah, so you know that's something we can hang our hats on. Um, again, I don't know how they're going to get a lot of these uh, nominations through for the cabinet. You see a lot of. <laughs> 
I don't know. I don't know what type of bargain they're going to have to do with McConnell to get a few of these guys through. Because you see some of the fringe actors already, you know, kicking shit and and stirring up stuff over some of Biden's cabinet um, nominees. So we'll see. We'll see what they'll have to sell out to get some of these things through. I don't know, you know. Um, other than that, I don't really have a lot to say about today's inauguration, right? Like, um, yeah. I think there is something to be said about, you know, the relatively peaceful transfer of power that happens today. That is a big deal, right? Like, that people yeah. go out and vote in November... And this enormous fucking powerful apparatus that is the United States federal government just gets handed over to some next person. To someone else. That's just not normal to the history of power in, you know, humankind and civilization (laughs) specifically in the world. And there is something to be said about that. There's something powerful and commendable about how we do that every year. Sure, I can hear the snarky leftist people saying, you know, whatever. It's just the business class handing the keys to another one of their (laughs) lackeys. And to a certain extent, I feel you. I 100% will feel you. Um, But there is something to be said about January 20th. There is something very powerful about that. Um, And the, the grace with which even somebody you see like an Obama, you know, begrudgingly handed to... Donald fucking Trump. Like, that's that's crazy. You know what I'm saying? Of course, Trump yeah. is Trump, so he didn't show up today. And, oh, my God. Can we... Did you look at some of the pardons from last night? Yeah, it's so good. It's, it's a good one. Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne. Yeah, Justice. Kodak Black of Broward <laughs> County. Um, yeah, hell yeah. The CEO of jay Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon, of oh, course. Yeah. Uh, Steve Bannon, which... Did, isn't he on trial for, like... Stealing money from some Trump campaign endeavor? No, no. What he did is that uh, was it money for he, the wall that he raised? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. So he he started like a Kickstarter, or something like a Kickstarter, <laughs> like a fundraising thing to like fund the wall, and then he just kept all the cash. <laughs> <laughs> and but, Trump, and, of course. You know, I mean, obviously, he pardoned all these like fucking ghouls. Uh, he also pardoned uh, the Palm Beach County uh, eye doctor who had bribed Bob Menendez, the Democratic senator. Do you remember this story? Mm -hmm. So Bob Menendez, who's a Democratic senator from New Jersey, um, almost went to jail for like a corruption scandal (laughs) in which this like rich doctor from Palm Beach was like basically bribing him to change some laws or whatever. Like the details are not important. But this guy was like this guy. The doctor went to, you know, got indicted and went to jail. Uh, Bob Menendez got out. Scott I mean, clean, he barely of scraped out. Yeah, but he barely. I mean, he, it looked like for a second that there, he was going to go to prison. Yeah, um, which is crazy if you think about. It. I mean, I, I I don't know the last time a U.S. senator uh, went to prison. Uh, um, and then Trump. So Trump pardoned that guy. Um, Trump pardoned. Uh, I mean, he pardoned like all those like you know like Paul Manafort. Of course, of course, schools. that was always going to happen because they know, they shut their notably mouths. who. Yeah, but you know, notably who he did not pardon. One, I mean, and it's, I never really expected this to happen. Although it was, there was a non-zero chance of him pardoning Snowden and Assange, mm, and reality winner. Yeah, um, he did not pardon them. Apparently, Mitch McConnell called him and, or basically got him the message that if you pardon Assange and Snowden, we will impeach you and we will like 
like the Senate will impeach you. Um, wow. Will, uh, you know, wow. Yeah. The military um, really got that type of sway, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then the other people who he did not pardon, um, which I found interesting, were any of the people involved in what happened at the Capitol last mm. week. He let them burn. And he let them burn. <laughs> he let them burn. And... You know, there's some obviously there's like some pathos and schadenfreude to that where these people thought like Trump was going to save them, even though Trump is like the world's biggest fucking con man and right. just like hates his base like every single con man. He hates the the, the target of his of his grift. Um, but uh, yeah, he did not pardon them, which is why I suspect that there was a little bit of a muted uh, response today from the from those people mm. and that there was no you know we were expecting he didn't come like, out and defend them. all the state capitals well yeah. here's the he thing. Let them out to drive. here's the thing i'm out of power i don't really need you guys any like whatever I, I got the people who i got i don't need all of you guys to follow me like if i can just like yo i got like 20 million people who are literally in a cult that I get to lead. I don't need 40. I mean, it would be dope to have 40, but he can do a lot with the people who are still devoted with him. He doesn't need them. Um, I think it's just, I think what's interesting about it, man, this this lady Desiree from Rock Nation, who, who is Jay-Z's, who's the CEO of Jay-Z's company, with um also the wife of OG Wan, um, this this other guy that Jay-Z's been in business with for years. And um, I'm whatever. I don't mind. This is woke bros. I don't mind telling you guys it, uh, the 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 rumor that you hear out in the rap internet is that OG One was Jay Z's connect when he was when he used to sell um, drugs. That's how he mm -hmm. formed the relationship with him. That's how he he bought drugs from him wholesale. And this lady Desiree is the president is Juan's wife and also the president of Rock Nation, and she was indicted. Um, on some drug stuff back in like 1992. But what's also interesting, which I found fascinating is that, so she got, you know, pardoned by Trump, but the reason she never went to prison because she told on some cartel people. She was a government witness against mm. some cart some Colombian cartel cats. I'm like, which is fucking mm. insane. But I just thought it was funny that a snitch would need a pardon. It's like, you got your pardon mm. already. You never went to prison. Um, right. another thing that I found interesting about it, Nando, cause it's hard to not think about this in the context of the Dems, like they would just never do something like this. <laughs> like this is so clearly a Trump pay for play, like action. It's like, this is one final grift, um, while I'm in this office and the Dem, there is no Democrat that would ever do something this brazen and this just like nakedly fucking avarice, like avaricious, like he's just so greedy and he just doesn't care. It's just fucking hilarious, bro. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> like, do you think like, and again, I hate yeah. the what if Barry did it, but like Barry pardoned like four rappers and the co-founder of Death Row Records on his literal last day in office? Yeah. That would have fucking caused a shitstorm. But of course, yeah. Barry just would never do that. Trump clearly, no. like Lil Wayne performing at Trump campaign shits, like, it was for this. Trump likes famous people. He loves Trump's, it. Trump likes famous people. He loves He loves it. celebrities. 
you know, he, he, I mean, he is a celebrity. Yes. He is a genuine and he's a celebrity. Star I mean, this is like, it's funny. Like, yeah, he's a star fucker and he's a genuine celebrity as well. I mean, he was in Home Alone. He was, you right. know, he had a big TV show. Right. And he was a very famous guy. Um, that's one of the things that, by the way, that like the libs never understood about his appeal is that they're like, he's not even a real billionaire. Or like, <laughs> nah. you know, that's like why, that's why like 12 billionaires ran for president because they were like, I'm richer than him. I could do it. Right. You know, what they, they didn't really account in for that he's way more famous than them. That's what matters. <laughs> You know, that's why The Rock, if he ran for president, would become president. That's why Arnold Schwarzenegger became the governor of the fifth largest economy of the world. Because he's super famous. And the fame is the the most important thing. That's why Joe Biden yes, won the Democratic primary. It's because he's more famous than all those other people. The yes. Fame is the most important thing. I mean, the buzzword in politics is name recognition. But no. we, normal people understand it. It's, as just are like, you a celebrity? Famous. He's a famous yeah. person. I know who you are. Yeah. Um. And so, yeah. you know, like I said, Harry, that one threw me for a loop because I watched a documentary about Harry O during the pandemic Um, about his founding of him giving Suge Knight the seed money to found Death Row Records, Um, <laughs> how they ended up falling out, like all of these businesses he started in Los Angeles yeah. from selling coke um being like a sort of a, a little kingpin if you will and you know investing in nightclubs and real estate and all this crazy shit like yeah. he's a really interesting guy and so for me to wake up this morning to find out that trump pardoned this guy is just <laughs> it's just so fucking insane like that's it's just so it, it's just a mind fuck honestly it's like one of yeah. those things where i'm just like don't know how to digest anyway we move yeah. on to you know the holiday that just passed on Monday, um, which is in recognition of the life and death of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who mm. who my man Bomani Jones, who I respect a lot, and he put it quite beautifully. He said, um, he's the single greatest American man that this this country has ever produced. Like this country has never produced a better greater man and i tend to agree with him um what this guy yeah. made his life's mission and died for <laughs> yeah died for it the ultimate sacrifice bro like this motherfucker died and he knew he was probably gonna die for this shit you know kicking up shit and and stirring up shit in service of the most disenfranchised people in the country, but not just the country, the world, right? Um, Nando did just talk about when he broke with the America about the Vietnam War. It's like, bro, these are poor, oppressed people. What the fuck is the American military doing over there? For what? Yeah. You know? Um, and yeah, the guy dedicated his life to the ideals that, you know, if we humor ourselves here on the Woke Bros, that we aspire to. Right. Yeah. Um, that we care about, like getting people, normal people, a fair shake out in this country. Um, I wrote a little something for the athletic just about my idea, like the NBA, if they really wanted to become the Martin Luther King, the activist league, I think what they would do, they would do well to take up the cause of poor and working people. Um mm to can to you know campaign with people who take up that cause as legitimate politicians to make that their mission to talk about income inequality to talk about um the class gap to talk about all of those things 
on their platform and actually do what they could possibly try to do to organize people to achieve those ends. Um, that's what I think. And again, you know, the quote unquote vote, 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 yeah. vote, 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 vote. That that whole campaign was cool. And I think the franchise obviously is important. And obviously, Dr. King did a lot of work in, you know, black people reaching full suffrage within the American South. And so therefore America as a whole, I get all of that. But, you know, like I said in my little article, um, one of his last dying projects was the Poor People Campaign. And he envisioned it as a multiracial, multi-ethnic multi-creed um, coalition of people who not getting what they deserve out of this fucking country. And he saw it as his life's mission to unite people in service of that cause. Um, and so, of course, you know, this being the show that it is, I, I, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think about Martin Luther King a lot because in in many ways this like not to use like a sports term or whatever but he's like underrated yeah in a way. oh my god um so true like <laughs> underrated and 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 misunderstood um in many ways because he's become such an idea yeah he's right? kind of become it, a symbol over the decades yeah he's become a symbol who's been which has been appropriated into the mainstream everywhere like and every aspect like no one no one can speak ill of martin luther king uh these days like even the most rabid right-wing maniac can't speak um ill of martin luther king these days um so he's become kind of this universal symbol um which on the one hand speaks to the power of his universal message at, hmm. at the time but also on the other hand just kind of misunderstands the nature of his work in the moment um, in the moment, Martin Luther King was a very unpopular figure. Um, if you look at polling, um, Michael Moore tells the story, uh, the documentarian Michael Moore, the guy who did Fahrenheit 9-11 and all that stuff. He tells a story of he remembers when Martin Luther King was killed. He was like a, a, a kid and he grew up in Michigan, which was Democratic, you know, stronghold, um, liberal uh, at the time. Um, and he was he said that he was in church when the news that Martin Luther King had been killed, um, like hit the, like, you know, they, they find out. And he said that everyone in the church stood up and started clapping, gave him wow. gave, like, uh, wow. like out of happiness that Martin Luther King was killed. Okay. Um, the, at the time, what we would call like the libs, <laughs> what we would call like the squishy Dems hated Martin Luther King, especially <laughs> toward the end of his life. Um, for the very specific reason that he that he criticized uh, Lyndon Johnson and the Democratic Party from the left, primarily on Vietnam, but also on on a host of other issues, um, there's a you know there's a uh, there's an editorial that the New York Times wrote in 1967 when uh, Martin Luther King spoke out against Vietnam, um, and it's like it could have been written today about you know anyone on the left, like AOC, Bernie Sanders, where it's like, you know, we agree with like your overall goals in theory, but, but like, you know, it's a little bit more complicated than you put it. And, <laughs> you know, like they, the, the editorial, the headline is Dr. King's error, you know? <laughs> and it's like, you know, there are no simple or easy answers to the war in Vietnam and like things like that, you know, like lib shit, you know what I mean? Like annoying fucking squishy lib shit. And Dr. King like understood at the time that, yo, we are murdering millions of people in a part of the world that has nothing to do with us. Right. Like 
you know, I think most I think most Americans have a vague understanding of how many Americans died in the Vietnam War because of the Vietnam War Memorial. Fifty seven thousand Americans died, Sheesh. which is a lot of Americans. Do, you, do you, people, when you ask people how many Vietnamese people died in the Vietnam War, they look at you with like a blank Who face cares? and they're like, oh, hundred thousand, two hundred thousand. It's in the millions. Mm. And if you count Laos right. and Cambodia, the yes, secret wars we exactly. fought there, it's like up to like in the four to five million range. You know, um, it's it's staggering the amount of people that we killed in Indochina. Um, and Dr. King realized that that's just a moral, a moral abomination, that there is no like. Well, it's complicated. No, no it's not fucking complicated. Because there's no like, there's no sense that the commies were coming to kill us. Like, it's just no. not true. There's no credibility to that argument that the commies were coming to take over the world and steal American blue jeans and burn them at every town <laughs> square. Like, that's just not true. That's just not yeah. true. It was naked power and ambition from the power elites. And they were just like, fuck it. If we got to go to war with these countries over it, because we want to, you know what I mean, do whatever the fuck it is we want to do, then that's what we're going to do. Um, it yeah. wasn't because Americans were under threat here in the homeland. It's just not true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, some, some of the quotes that Dr. King said, I mean, are just staggering. For example, he called the U.S. government the greatest purveyor of violence in the world today. Period. You know, think about that. Um <laughs> By the end of his life, I mean, he was speaking pretty openly about being a socialist, right? I mean, a lot of these black, um, famous black leaders that we kind of valorize, Martin Luther King, W.E.B. E. Du Bois. Of course. Um, Paul were, Robeson, were one of the goats. Paul Robeson. One of the greatest Bayard socialists Rustin. ever. <laughs> yeah. Bayard Rustin, who's been, who's been kind of written out of the history uh, because he was gay, um, was a socialist and very influential in Martin Luther King's thinking. Um, you know, and he, like you said, he, he, by the end of his life, he was organizing the poor people's campaign, um, to shut down Washington and using a multi-racial, multi-ethnic working class movement, um, for he was organizing jobs, working for, <laughs> for jobs, and jobs. This is the, for yes, jobs, the freedom. you yes, cannot be yes. free in this country if you have no financial stability, right? Yeah. Otherwise you're living a miserable existence and you're at the whims of the generosity, if we can even call yeah. it that, of these asshole oligarchs, like for yeah. jobs. That's what it was about. And, and no one can accuse Martin Luther King of not understanding the problems of racism in <laughs> America. <laughs> but he understood that on, at the same time that you had to kind of understand the nature of racism in America, you had to appeal to a broad universalist message that can unite people around an agenda, right? And I think that there is now this liberal tendency to kind of be very suspicious of that kind of universalist messaging, you know, of that kind of universalist appeals, you know, that we're all in this together, that if you don't like hyper target, like a very specific subgroup within, um, uh, you know, some sort of oppressed class, that you are not ac adequately um thinking about their problems or something like that um and and i think that that's just so misguided and 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 at the end of the day kind of segments the population in a way that 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 has unintended consequences to actually be divisive whereas if you try to um not not compromise on any 
sort of you know you you don't it's not i'm not saying like you should like abandon you know certain issue or whatever like that's that's not true i'm saying that like when you're appealing when you're doing politics you appeal to broad universalist themes about humanity that we're all in this together that you are my brother and you are my sister no matter what you look like no matter who you are like all those things are 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 just they they're the messages that endure the test of time and that can really um have an effect that it that that can change the world sort of micro targeting um just does not it just it will always be it will always just end up falling flat in its face because you're appealing to someone um to be to be like empathetic rather than solidaristic right rather than sort of binding people together to form a united front you are trying to make people feel bad about something you know and that just does not work that was never martin luther king's vision um he understood politics on a sort of very very deep level um and how to actually win change again underrated and we're going to get out of here but i do want to leave you with a quote that i put in the piece um, that I just thought sort of crystallized <laughs> because this guy is such a master communicator. He's explaining like why he wants to do this and why this is a great idea. He says, quote, let's find something that is so possible, so achievable, so pure, so simple that even the backlash can't do much to deny it. And yet something so non-token and so basic to life that even the black nationalists can't agree with it that much. <laughs> you know, and that's it, right? Like anybody, anybody can understand that this place with like these things that we associate with the 19, the quote unquote, the 1950s and 60s is that so many Americans had good ass jobs. That's it. Yeah. That's all we're yeah. talking about. That you could graduate high school, get some jobs somewhere, and within three years, you could buy a fucking house. That's yeah. all we're talking about. And feed a family of like three. Of three or four having, with the, on yeah. one fucking income. That's yeah. what we're talking about here. That's what we're talking about. Like, not that the music or the this or the that or the racial harmony was there. No, we want to we want to achieve that those ends for as many people as possible. That shit ain't fucking rocket science, man. Yeah. Um, that's what people don't understand about what the message should be. It's not. It's like, yo, even if these white people no longer give a fuck about you, the fact that you can get a job and get an apartment that you love or or buy a house that you find to be suitable. Right. And feed your kid and take your fucking kid on, on vacation maybe twice a year without being a fucking slave, bro. Like, come on. How hard is that to understand? Yeah. Anyway, thank you guys today for bearing with me. I think I should be back by by next week as far as the voice is concerned. I'm going to do the necessary work. Some um, tea, brother. Yes, sir. I'll have some tea. Don't worry. I'll have a lot more than that. Um, thank you, of course, Nando, Rob Lopez on the ones and threes, keeping the trains running on times. Make sure you subscribe to all of our other offerings on the bomb and count the dings network. Um, of course, make sure you become a Patreon. That's how we able to do these shows for you guys on a weekly basis at patreon.com backslash count the dings. Um, we'll see you next week, man. We're out of here. Peace. <laughs>